I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's your favorite host in all podcasting, Obi-John Kenobi, and welcome to the conclusion of, and I'm going to say it wrong on purpose, Fantasy Week, week four of Fantasy Week, concluding tonight. Congratulations guys, you made it. We all made it, everyone give yourselves a hand. Not too much of a hand, this is like the part where like, like Frodo and Sam are like, they're in Mordor, but we haven't like scaled Mount Doom yet, so be a little happy, but not that happy. <laughs> but the man is going to carry us up that hill because he can't carry the ring, but he can carry us. <laughs> it's the Samwise of this group because he's everybody's best friend. Joining us for somewhere in time and space, it's the Doc. I'm here. <laughs> okay, I was very enthusiastic, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, usually you go with Scott first. You caught me off guard, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what I get for trying to change things up? Sorry. <laughs> well, rounding out this trio of the man who's going to call in the Eagles to get our butts off the mountain when we're surrounded by lava, because he just knows how to do stuff like that. <clears throat> it's the man who keeps the nerd in the Tottenham Team Network, Commander Scott. Hello, hello. So, just so you know, this week, I don't have a nerd fact. I have a nerd joke. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is it a pun? I heard this, and it made me chuckle. I wanted to share. A photon checks into a hotel and is asked if he needs help with his luggage, to which he replies, No, thanks. I'm traveling light. Wow. Is this thing on? Hello? Traveling light. I get it. Oh, I, I got it. Boy, Maybe. stick to I the, told you we the nerd. Uh, hey, are you nerds excited about the space station going overhead tonight? Doesn't it go overhead like every night, just not over the same heads? Well, apparently it's going to be super visible tonight. Uh, the weatherman told me the news today. In Kentucky, maybe. Well, the sky is pretty different here, so. Yeah. You, your southern skies. <coughs> All right. Well, this is, like <laughs> I said, the conclusion to uh, what was never intended to be, but what steamrolled into uh, Fantasy Month. So we've, we've done uh, episodes on 
sort of a look back at the fantasy genre, uh, the golden age of the 80s, the, the modern era of the post Lord of the Rings inspired fantasy movies. Uh, the Doc and I did a whole episode about our favorite fantasy weapons because you know, things that go pew pew and stabby stab are cool. And so uh, sort of keeping within our, our uh, state of the franchise format tonight, we're going to take a look at the future of fantasy. I know it's a real creative title. Uh, basically we're going to look at projects we know are coming down the pipeline in the fantasy genre. What do we know about them? How do we feel about that? And then we'll wrap things up with giving a little bit of, uh, what we really want to see from the fantasy genre going forward. So we're going to start with what we know the least about and work our way up to what we know the most about. Cause there's a few things I, we really haven't gotten much detail on. We just, we, it's been announced. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, and that is for Netflix, a Conan the Barbarian series. Uh, Netflix struck a deal with the Conan Properties International Company, which um, are the rights holders for the, the Conan stories. Uh, the deal gives Netflix full rights to the entire Conan literary library. So any Conan story ever written is fair game. Um, gives them rights to do both live action and animated projects. Uh, absolutely no news as to casting, writers, directors, release date, shooting schedule. Uh, we just know, hey, we spent money and got the rights. So what do you guys think of Conan on Netflix? Well, I think if anybody can can pull off Conan as a, uh, a viable franchise going forward, it would be uh, it would be Netflix. Uh, um, my, my thing with when it comes to fantasy and Conan is the fact that Conan's always been a very, I guess you could say a low fantasy fantasy. Um, there's the, what magic there is in, in, in Conan and the, the quote unquote Hyborian age, uh, is, is very muted because it does take place fully in our world, just in a lost age. Um, so, which I always thought was something that got glossed over with the movies and such. But I, I like Netflix's um, track record, mm-hmm. if you will, of, uh, of, of their production, uh, telling stories, doing original content. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if anybody can do it, Netflix, Netflix can. Uh, I don't know who I would cast as Conan, though. Yeah, that's a bit of a pickle. That's uh... a young unknown, probably would be their best bet. I don't know. I think Carl Urban could, they could pull it off. Ooh, Carl, Carl Urban, Urban Conan. can pull off anything. First of all, okay. <clears throat> Carl Urban is the bacon of movie making. You know how everything gets better if you put bacon on it. Everything is better if it has Carl Urban in it. Everything. Very true. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think Netflix is a good home for Conan. I think it's going to be interesting to see what direction they want to push this in. Because if, you, if someone would have said, like, Conan on HBO or Showtime, I would have been a little more like, oh, okay, I can see that. Because the Conan books, especially, um, are balls to the wall when it comes to 
graphic violence, uh, sex. Uh, just, uh, you know, it, it, it's everything is cracked up to eleven. The comics obviously tone things down a bit because comic books are, are aimed at a younger audience. Um, the first Conan movie, at least, uh, went full out for that with a hard R rating, uh, and you know, nudity and gore and violence and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they they dialed that back as subsequent movies came around. Uh, the TV series was syndicated on basic cable, so not a whole lot there. Uh, the animated series, because yes, there was a Conan animated series, uh, was obviously intended for kids to sell toys, so not much there. But it's 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 an interesting opportunity to be on a streaming service where you're not beholden to censors, and you can really sort of dial into that Hyborian age um, aesthetic that that uh howard created for for this character and uh if netflix wants to push it that far now obviously stuff like the witcher uh you know lots of boobies and in monsters and and they don't shy away from the gore there so it's not without precedent uh but i'm more curious about if they want to adapt direct stories into a series or if they want to make something up Personally, uh, I would say that uh, Conan is uh, um, so far removed from current the uh, current lexicon of things people know um, that without just doing a straight, you know, per novel adaptation, because I mean these things were written you know, for a totally different era and audience, you could most certainly data mine. I mean, the, the, the books and stuff for the, the, the high plot points, uh, and then sprinkle around modern production around the edges of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, you know, what, uh, what, uh, <clears throat> uh, the, what, what star Wars has done with the old EU cherry pick the best parts. Okay. Of the, the, the source material versus just doing totally new stuff. Uh, I would not want to see them do just totally new stuff. Definitely go back to that source material, pull it out, uh, read through it, uh, you know, and, uh, well, and, and for what it is. And one thing that really gives them an advantage in doing it that way is the, the Conan stories, uh, the originals anyway, <clears throat> weren't ever these like epic thousand page novels. They're short stories. Yeah, and they're told um, in a non-linear fashion. They're just adventures from the life of Conan. So you could, with very minimal adaptation, take any story ever written about Conan, link them together as episodic, uh, you know, uh, installments, throw an overarching storyline on it, kind of like the original movie has, and go from there. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of pushback, like you said. It, these 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 stories. Nowadays, they're more looked at as like a classic kind of thing. They're not necessarily like the popular thing right now. So we're we're far enough removed from them being at the height of their popularity. It feels like it's the right time to inject some of that. Like if you're going to adapt Conan, why not go back to the source and adapt the character? Uh, That was one of the big complaints people had about the the Conan reboot with Jason Momoa is it it never really felt like Conan. But uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm really curious. A while back, there was a Conan animated movie that never came out. And I, I don't know exactly what happened to it. It was called Red Nails, I believe. But they had... 
um, Ron Perlman was going to be the voice of Conan, and there were a couple other big name actors who were going to be in it. It sounded awesome, and then like the whole thing just fizzled out. <coughs> so now that, and again, I have no idea what the rights issue with that is, but if if that's sitting on a shelf somewhere, because uh, they did make a point that they have the rights to animated projects too, bring that shit back. I listen to Ron Perlman grunt as Conan. <laughs> Yeah, I'd watch Ron Perlman as Conan. I'm cool with that. <sighs> that like a, around, like, a, uh, go ahead. like a grizzled older Conan. Yeah, like uh like uh, bookends where it's it's King Conan reflecting on his younger years. Oh, there you go. I'll I'm for whatever gives Ron Perlman work, man. Hell I went and saw fucking Monster Hunter because Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah, and that's about the only good thing I can say about that movie is Ron Perlman is 100% in that movie. Uh, that's my that's my one-sentence review of Monster Hunter. Ron Perlman's in it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Monster Hunter, uh-huh. did you know that Mila Jovovich has the highest kill count of any movie actor? Did you know that no one gives a shit? I just thought I'd throw that out there because Scott didn't hit us with a nerd fact today. Mila Jovovich has the highest percentage of been in all of her husband's movies. Yeah, well, you do what you do. I'm just getting a little tired of it. Sorry, I'm still a little bitter about Monster Hunter. <clears throat> I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan, man. I played Monster Hunter World for like six weeks, like four years ago. So I'm a huge, huge fan. Know all about it. Okay. <laughs> Totally, totally. I knew all the names of the monsters in the movie. I totally did, really. <clears throat> yeah, Godzilla. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, uh, yeah, Kong. Kong, King King Ghidorah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Mothra, and, and, right? And, and then, yeah, and then Ron Perlman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ron Perlman? Was Spoiler. there a kaiju? Spoiler, did the kaiju Ron eat him? Wins. No, it's, just, it's regular-sized Ron Perlman. It's just he's that much of a badass. He just, he, he wins. They all show up and they're about to fight, and he just kind of walks up and they're just like, "Oh fuck, Ron Perlman's here!" Oh no, never mind, never mind. I'm out. They all walk off. It's kind of did he pop up in a post-credit scene and ask for his shoe? Of course he did. It's his whole plot. <laughs> his, his whole storyline is looking for his shoe. <laughs> Man just wants his shoe back. Look, we check off two check marks now. We had a nerd fact and we tangented. <laughs> Tangented? Did did you just turn tangent into a verb? Yes. Didn't make another check mark. We invented a new word. So listen, Scott. I teach math, not English. I'm allowed to do things like that. Tangent is both, sir. It falls within your wheelhouse. Yeah, but never mind. We can have a whole discussion on tangent, Scott. So this doesn't become word crimes. The show. We're going to move on. Um, okay uh one topic two entries i'm again gonna go with least to most as far as what we know about it it was announced all of two weeks ago that hold on uh Derek colstad the writer of the john wick franchise and a writer on the um uh, uh falcon and winter soldier tv show That'll be out sometime this year, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, was announced that he will be developing a series based on Dungeons and Dragons. Huh. This is independent from the, the, the movie that's supposedly a pre-production, right? We're, 
I think they're the same production company <coughs> that made a deal with um uh she's at Hasbro that owns the rights or whoever. Um I, I believe it's another project stemming from that same agreement, yes. Right. Um what I told you was literally all we know. Uh this I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Uh, as well as the new D and D movie. Well, I've been playing uh, playing D and D for a long time. I remember when the the first one came out. What was it? Two two thousand ninety nine, somewhere along in there. Um, the first what? What the first D and D movie? Oh, uh, yeah, two thousand ish, somewhere. In there. Yeah. Um, with what a piece uh, of shit. With, you know, no, 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 no. It's a bad you movie, know, It's not the worst movie ever made. Well, it's, we're it's not talking the, about Burke Dendick or Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters. It's not it's not the greatest movie ever made. Um some things that really, you know, pissed me off. I do remember sitting in the theater with my friends and the first time that uh, uh the main character played by uh what's his name? J- Justin Whalen, is that his name? Josh Whalen. Yeah, who was on Justin every Whalen. TV show in the nineties and then disappeared. Yeah, um, he pulls out that sword and he breaks bad on some people. And I, I, I remember yelling at the screen in the theater. There is no way in hell he is a straight thief. <laughs> he is a damn dual class. Damn it! <laughs> Which garnered quite a few looks, but that's okay. Um, but I liked Marlon Wayans' character in that movie. I know he's there. I liked him. I'm what? sorry. I know he was there for comic relief, but I liked it. It was fun. Um, uh, uh, you know, especially when he's uh, uh, he's talking to, to Ridley and, you know, he's trying to talk him into breaking into the magic school. And he's like, I got a new word for dumb. Ridley. It's the riddliest idea I ever heard of. <laughs> Shit was funny. Uh, the views and opinions of Commander Scott do not recommend those. <laughs> of <the show. laughs> do not represent those of the entire uh, cast of, of this show. You see, you see, that's the same thing you said when we brought the little halfling's house. And who did he catch? Me. And who did he beat from the waist down? Me. Beat from the waist down. Halfling. This has been Damon Wayans Theater with Commander Scott. <laughs> Oh, it had some good stuff in, in the movie. Um, um, uh, one thing I, I did like from the movie that, that that I thought was fun and I actually used it in in D and D games over the years was uh, the the rug that turned into a quicksand trap. Uh, I, I liked it was a practical effect. I liked the way it looked. I liked the way they did it. I thought it was good. It was a good magical trap. I liked it. I did hate that they made beholders guard dogs that was just the dumbest thing ever uh and it was only thrown in because somebody said we need a D monster here how about this one he looks D ish sure put him in the background uh they never actually got to fight a beholder um overall uh the sequels are much more consistent with the D game of the time but they are bad movies but they're good, bad movies, in my opinion. You know? So I'm looking forward to new D&D 
Um, Hold on. I'll look. I'll give them this. They had ambition. Um, They were certainly trying. But those movies are bad, Scott. The the Sci-Fi Channel original sequels were better by comparison. uh, But again, bar was not set very high. This is very true. Um, uh, But I'm looking forward to this. The thing that pisses me off about this, though, because I know they're probably either going to set the movie and or the series in um, a generic uh, campaign world, uh, something new, kind of like those movies were, Mm -hmm. Um, rather than set it where they should set the movie and the series, which is the Forgotten Realms, uh, because you've got so much great storytelling over the past 40 years set in the Forgotten Realms, uh, it's 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 just staggering. I mean, you've got all of R.A. Salvatore's you know novels, uh, uh, specifically the Dristuerden characters, the Companions of the Hall, uh, where he completely fleshes out the North. Uh, you've got all the Elminster stuff written by you know the great Ed Greenwood, uh, who is just a, a beautiful writer in in the genre, specifically for D and You've got the the uh, the Anorak Desert. You've got the the Feyrim. You've got uh, the Red Wizards of Fey over in the east. You've got uh, just the whole world is just wonderfully laid out. It, it is a it is a fantasy cornucopia, just just bristling with stuff to be brought to life. But I know they're not going to do it. Um, and that's well, I can I can guarantee they won't because <clears throat> you just said why they're not going to. Uh, forty years of backstory. Yeah, forty years of stuff that needs to be brought to the screen. New writers hate that. Well, new writers can get over them themselves. Well, uh, so the show again, we don't know a whole lot about. So I'm just going to jump in with what we know about the movie because I feel like we can kind of bundle these together. Uh, first, let me start with the good news about the movie. Uh, currently set to star Chris Pine, Carl Urban. Uh, uh, we haven't heard yet, but currently no. that we know of Chris Pine, uh, release date currently set for May 27th, 2022. Uh, that's about it. Um, uh, <laughs> it's going to be directed by, and you may not recognize these names, but, uh, I'll give you the credentials. John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. John Francis Daly, best known as an actor from the TV show Bones. Uh, the two of them were writers on Spider-Man Homecoming. They directed Game Night and the Vacation Remake. Um, and they are set to write and direct your D&D movie. Yikes. These are the people who gave us Night Monkey. Uh, no, it's no, that was far from home. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, my bad. These are the people I gave us, uh, Peter Tingle. (laughs) Or was that that the second one, too? I don't fucking remember. That was the second one, too. I don't remember. Yeah, remember, Spider Man in in, in Homecoming had like no Spider Man powers, everything was derived from that damn suit. Yeah, sorry, Tony Stark Jr., the movie. (laughs) Um,. Look, I'm with Scott. I think D&D is an incredibly rich tapestry from which to weave many a story. 
Um, <coughs> excuse me. Certainly a recognizable name, that, that marquee recognizability of, hey, it's Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, they've attempted to bring this mainstream before. There was famously that 80s cartoon that only got one season. Um, the action figure line that was somehow not based on the cartoon. Um, it's it's totally, uh, I think the the world is primed and ready for you know mainstream D&D stuff. D&D itself has become much, much more mainstream than it used to be. So I think there's a lot of potential there for both the series and a movie. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I think a series on a streaming service sounds more like the way to go. Uh, you can control your loss and keep your budget on track and tell lots more stories. You could literally make it a D&D anthology series if you wanted to, uh, where every season is you know a new party on a new quest or something like that. Um, but, and maybe in a couple of years, I'll you know, be uh, eating crow with these words. I'm not very inspired by their choice for directors. Um, yeah. Not that just because you're known for comedy doesn't mean you can't change up genres. I don't mean to say that, but these John aren't even Krasinski. good comedies. Yeah. These, these aren't even good comedies. Uh, uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah. Again, comedians can make Well, see, that's, that's comedians make horror movies uh, is how it works now. Uh, if you were uh, a comedian, now you make horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Personally, what I would love to see, like I said, I, I believe that, in my opinion, Forgotten Realms is is where they should start looking for source material. But what I would love to see, and what I would hate to see, because I know they would fuck it up, uh, <laughs> is Planescape, not Planescape, sorry, um, Spelljammer. Spelljammer would be some awesome, awesome television. Um you know, you, you basically it, it's basically D and D in space. Okay, sorry, sorry. How's that again? It's D and D in space. Well, but here's the thing. So it's not space as we know it. So the way Spelljammer worked back it's in the space, day, Jim, but not as we know it. Sorry, <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> as we know it. Uh, is so. You you had a you had a spell jamming vessel which which depending on the race could look wildly fantastical or if you were humans it looked very nautical uh, and you would have a wizard that would uh, use a magical artifact known as a helm that not a helm is in put on your head but helm is in like ship's wheel helming a vessel and um, like it's driving me nuts wheel gotcha yeah and, also it's a wizard so, where. In space, so it's the space wizard. Sure, I. Okay, okay. So the ship would you would you would lift off of the well, actually you would sail out of port because not everybody knew about spell jamming. Uh, and once you were away, once you're at it sea, nobody could see you. Then, then the ship would lift off, uh, and it would rise into the night sky, the space as you can see. And so, but is that a uh, pixie dust engine they're using? No, uh, but but space wasn't like spaces in real life. It was it was a, it was a um, a crystal sphere that that encapsulated the, the 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 game world, the the world on which they were leaving. And the wizard would cast a spell that would open the crystal sphere and allow the ship to pass through it um, into the flotsam, which was the space between space, space between worlds. Uh, and it was 
it was it was very very volatile. You could set this shit on fire, uh, and uh, so combat between uh, spell jamming vessels in the flotsam was very interesting, uh, especially with wizards who are casting fireball. <coughs> and How when you it, cast when, fireball in space, uh, so you need oxygen you, in space. You, but it, but you have mag- to mix the flotsam with the jetsam. It, oh, okay. That's magic. You put the lime with the coconut. Gotcha. Um, and drink them both up. So, but yeah, there was there was a lot of nuances to to spell jammer, and uh, but you could you could literally move between you you could spell jam from any D and D campaign world to any D and D campaign world. That was kind of the whole point behind the the, the campaign setting of spell jamming, uh, and and I always loved it. I always liked playing playing in 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 that world uh, or with those mechanics. Um, and I would love to see it. I'd love to see a spell jamming vessel up on screen, uh, if not the spell jammer itself. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I honestly, I'd love to see them do it and I don't want them to do it. Cause once again, I know they would fuck it up like horribly. So I just want to point out a couple things. First of all, Scott, uh, I've never been prouder to have you on the show before. Okay. Uh, you've never lived up to your title as the man who keeps the nerd and taught nerd to me more than you just did. <laughs> and that was very, very well put, uh, very well described. You, you rolled with the jokes. Very well done. I just want you to know from the first time you said Spelljammer, all I heard was Starjammer. So in my head, it's Corsair and the Starjammers, or I don't want it anymore. It, it's not far <laughs> off. I mean, there, there were characters who were definitely <laughs> pirates, Spelljamming pirates. And so you had that 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 kind of star jammer feel to those characters. So you could most definitely recreate the star jammers. In, uh, if, it's, if it's not Cyclops' dad swashbuckling in space, uh, I don't want it anymore. Yeah, played by Robert Urich. Yeah, exactly. Fine, uh, sure. Also, uh, hey, James Gunn, can we get the star jammers in a Guardians movie? Just putting that out there. That'd be Contine, awesome. That's yeah. um, totally off topic. <clears throat> All, all I heard every time that Scott said Spelljammer, uh-huh. uh, the song um, Snake Charmer was playing in my head. But instead, of, instead of him saying Snake Charmer, it was Spelljammer. That, so, that, yeah. so there's our theme song. All right. We, yeah. Well, we will have to do that parody. That's a <laughs> parody we will have to do. It just, all right. it, uh, uh... Yeah, it just popped in there. <laughs> All Spark Media, what we're saying is hire us because Scott's got the chops, Jay's got the theme song written already, uh, and we, we were cheap. So, uh, yeah, the movie again, this 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 property D and D has has uh, infinite potential. Um, I think it's cool that they're exploring more than one avenue. They're not just putting all their eggs in one basket. We're developing a show and a movie. We'll see what happens first. Let's see which direction they take it in first. Um, yeah, I just think there's more potential there. A better use of it, I guess, would be in the form of a streaming service or a streaming series uh, than, than a movie. But who knows? Maybe we're yeah. all wrong. Uh, maybe on uh, March 27, 2022, we'll be in a theater and Scott will be screaming at the theater that uh, Chris Pine's character is not a pure thief. <laughs> That's a callback joke, kids. <laughs> I think we lost Scott. 
No, I'm here. I'm just, okay, gotcha. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm <laughs> nodding solemnly to myself. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. This is one I know uh, the doc is going to be excited for. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Coming to us sometime in the far, far away of 2022. Starring Olivia Cook, Matt Smith, Patty Kazda. I can't read my own handwriting. Sorry. Patty something. And Emma Darcy. <clears throat> we have the long awaited, maybe not so much after that last season, uh, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon spinoff. We know it is uh, based on the Fire and Blood book co-written by George R.R. R. Martin, uh, which is kind of a misleading because Fire and Blood is not a novel. It's not like a linear story. It's literally like an in-universe uh, history book of the entire history of the House Targaryen from the day they arrived in Westeros up till like the events of Game of Thrones. So not exactly like a linear storytelling. I mean, it literally covers thousands. I'm not saying don't rush out and read it because it's a great book, but uh, it's not uh, it's not not quite like adapting uh, the uh, the novels. So, but uh, it'll obviously focus on House Targaryen <coughs> about 300 years before the events of the original Game of Thrones series. Um, what do you guys think? Just give me dragons, full sized, <laughs> flying around. Like skies just frickin' filled with dragons. Uh, keep the same sort of like the aesthetic that Game of Thrones had, that kind of visual. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Keep that. Keep the story. Keep the acting as well as you can, and just add more dragons. That's all. I mean, we only got three. That's not enough. Well, I know you'll be getting at least two in this series because uh, Matt Smith plays Damon Targaryen and Emma Darcy plays Renara Targaryen, who are both dragon riders. Um, probably more than that, but you'll be getting at least two, and they'll be full-grown, full-on, uh, laying waste to cities, combat-ready dragons. Nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah. After Game of Thrones kind of ended with a whimper, I would say like they just didn't I, and I still haven't seen the last season, but just from everything I heard, it was just kind of like Bleh. Um, a lot of I'm oh, sorry, a lot of characters <laughs> going sideways type thing. I I would like to see something fresh and not I mean, yeah, I know it's a spinoff, but something that doesn't focus on um uh, I just uh-huh. went, I just went bleh. Sound it out. Use your words. The freaking House of the North. What the hell is their name? The Starks. Starks, yeah. Something that doesn't focus so much well, on that family would be. So I think this is, a, and, and there was another pi, uh, pilot for a spinoff series that they did not pick up. So this is the second attempt by HBO to do a spinoff for Game of Thrones. I think this is the one that, A, people are more excited for, and B, is a much better idea. Because, like you pointed out, Jay, the last season left a bitter taste in people's mouths as far as the Game of Thrones franchise goes. And this story is set far enough back. We've heard bits and pieces of it referenced. 
Um, we know to a point what will ultimately happen to the House Targaryen, but it's 300 years in the past. So we're not going to, we'll, we'll, we'll probably see House Stark at some point, but it's not going to be, you know, Ned and uh, 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 Jon Snow and the kids. Uh, they're not even around yet. Um, I don't think the Starks were the ruling family in the North at this point, but I could be wrong. Um, The whole uh, Song of Ice and Fire has a very, 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 very big, uh, long, well-thought-out backstory and history to it, Um, which is why I love reading the book uh, Fire and Blood, is is there's, there's so much to the history of those characters and those families that we really only scratched the surface of in the show. So I was very excited to, to hear them uh, announce this as another one. And that is, I think like you're, you're right, Jay changing up, you know, the house a bit uh, because the Targaryens, we really only saw two Targaryens in the entire of season, uh, all eight seasons of game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and one and they of were... them was not long lived for the series. Yeah. Well, and, and the house was very, very, very much in decline. It was after the uprising that unseated them. So this is going back to, I mean, they're they're maybe not right at the height of their powers, but damn near close uh, to the, the height of their reign where they're uniting the seven kingdoms together. So lots of cool story potential there. Cox? Well, I'm not a big, big Game of Thrones fan. I only saw maybe half to two-thirds of the first season of the show. Um, And that was it. Um, So, when it comes to a spinoff show, I'm I'm very, I'm I'm just not interested. It doesn't spark anything for me. Um, Mainly because the biggest thing that got on my nerves when, the, the the show was in its first season and it, it, it really, you know, when it, when the show just, it hit and it hit big, and like Game of Thrones fans became the most obnoxious people on the planet. They 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 pretty much surpassed Star Trek and and Star Wars fans of the time, um, and they really just pissed me off. So. I don't I don't have much to say on the subject of Game of Thrones. Um, I, well, I, I want to unpack that. What did they do to piss you off? Um, you really want to open a can of worms? Yeah, we're going there. God. So Tangent the, away. So Sorry. The big thing with me when Game of Thrones hit was uh, that don't get me wrong, the novels had been around for a while. Game of the the novels were not new when the show got picked up and adapted and and, and everything. Uh, and and I, I I've read the first novel and I love the first novel. I will recommend the first novel to anyone. After that, just don't fucking bother. Um, but all the fans for for months and months, probably almost two years, good eighteen months. I, I couldn't go anywhere or do anything without somebody throwing Game of Thrones in my face. And declaring George R. R. Martin as the best author that's ever lived. He's like, he's such a genius. Like, no, he's not. George R. R. Martin is a mediocre author at best. Because in like six novels, five novels, six novels, whatever. So I I, I read the first one. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. 
and I started reading the second novel. And about halfway through the second novel, after I read my like third dinner party where I read literally 20 pages of just lists of names, I'm like, oh my god, this sucks. How many novels are in this? And I started looking and researching. And at the time that I was reading, there was like there were four novels at the time that I was reading. And I noticed that in those novels, the fifth one was getting ready to come out or whatever. Uh, like none of the plot lines that were set up in book one had progressed anywhere. None of them. Uh, Daenerys, uh, whatever her name is, was still running around over in the country leading her, you know, little ragtag group of sycophants or whatever the fuck they were. She had dragon hippies. Yeah. Yeah. She hadn't done anything. The, the the wall in the north, which was getting ready to fall at any moment. Yeah, it's still fucking there. The 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 White Walkers in the north or whatever, they were gonna, you know, breach the wall and, and engulf the world. Yeah, they ain't done fucking shit either. We don't even know what the hell they are about book five. Um uh the the the, the Starks are still pretty much just jerking themselves off in the north. <clears throat> and they 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 fucking hate the Lannisters. I don't know why they hate the Lannisters, but they did. Ooh, you killed our dad. Yeah, fuck you. It's the Middle Ages. No one gives a shit. Uh, <laughs> I think it's family, right? A lot and, of shots fired right now. A lot of shots. And, and the no, Lannisters, he's just getting geared up. And the Lannisters are all over the place. Literally, it's who's screwing who and who's sitting on the throne. So in five damn novels, he has not advanced one single story set up in book one. And when you can't advance a story in five goddamn novels, you are you're a shitty author. Now, I advance him to mediocre author because his writing style is good, and the man is detailed as shit, but he likes to pat himself on the back. He, he look at all the detail I can put in. Fuck you, tell a damn story. I don't give a shit about, you know, some dude that's eating mutton over here, three tables from the left from King What's-His-Face on a kingdom that you don't even include in your story because no one gives a shit. Don't care. It's novel four. Progress a story. Give me a story. He basically took the Hundred Years' War and just kind of started writing it in a fictional setting. And that's it. He still hasn't finished the story. The... The Game of Thrones writers for the television series came in, read the books, adapted it into a how many seasons? Six seasons? Seven seasons? Ended up being eight. <laughs> eight seasons. Wrote, produced, shot, marketed eight seasons worth of stuff, and he still hasn't finished the damn novels. And, and, and just to pile on that, there was at least a year break between a couple of those seasons. <laughs> Um, and they yeah. ran out of material from the books after I think season five of the show. Yeah, so, really, uh, only took him five seasons to catch up to his books. Yeah. Now keep in mind, I'm gonna go back. And I'm gonna preface this: none of this rant is targeted at George R. R. Martin. I have nothing against George R. R. Martin. The man is a writer. He is an accomplished novelist. He's written many novels, including especially other stuff other than Game of Thrones. Uh, he, he, he's done great in his career path. He's made, you know, decent money, especially with the TV show deal. Kudos to him. The man did beautiful, but the damn fans 
you need to get off of this high horse of George R. R. Martin. You, he's the greatest. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a mediocre author at best. And the damn fans just just turned me off to this this whole property, just completely. So. Never talk to Rick and Morty's fans. Just gotta put that out there. Okay. For just never talk to it. If you're talking about fan bases that annoy you, just stay away from them. Okay. I love no, Rick it, and it, Morty. Oh shit. <laughs> so do I. I don't. Yeah, but you guys weren't at McDonald's demanding Szechuan. Oh god, the, the Szechuan sauce. Fuck. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. See. So. No. Every fandom is the greatest until it eats itself. So, no, a perfectly valid point, Scott. Uh, I read the first three books. I bought the fourth. Actually, like two and a half. I don't think I ever finished the third one. I bought the first four. I never bothered buying the fifth one. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to fucking read those. Um, I'm ADHD. A book has to hook me and keep my attention or have really short chapters to get me to finish it. Uh, it's a miracle that I finished those uh, two and a half that I did. Because, um, wow. Uh, again, I think they make better TV shows than, than books because I'm visual. But uh, there's so many fucking names and places and characters. And I can't keep track of any of them. And then, like Scott said, uh, really spins its wheels for a while. I think books four and five were written as one book. And the publisher was like, there's no fucking way we can print that as one book. So they split it in half. So I think book four maybe doesn't contain any of the characters' previous three books because it's it was the first part of a book that introduced new characters. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'd also heard that like uh, once they hit like season three or season four in the series, they had to significantly restructure how the story was being told because if they went with the books, there was literally whole seasons where characters just disappeared. And you wouldn't see them again for like two more seasons. Yep. <clears throat> Insert brand here. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it was another. You know, this one thing when you're an author writing a story to make up, you know, 25 new characters. But when you're making a TV show, <clears throat> that's an actor that has to be cast, a character that has to be written, deals that have to be made. Uh, the, the the budget balloons to ungodly amounts. So. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a. I think season one is the most straight up uh, verbatim adaptation of the the source, and, and and from there it starts to deviate quite wildly, just because they couldn't afford to do it as written. So, but House of the Dragon, I am looking forward to. I'm uh, happy to see Matt Smith get work. Hopefully, his partner doesn't get cut out of this one, because um, that seems to be his run of luck. He got cut out of Terminator Genesis, which maybe that was not such a bad thing. He got cut out of the last Star Wars movie. Um, but it sounds like he has kind of a lead role here. So excited for that. Well, yeah. anyway. All right, then. Here's the big one coming to Amazon sometime this year, <laughs> unless we hear otherwise. The series that already cost $250 million, and that was just to buy the rights. Uh, the show that already has a five-season commitment, even though we haven't aired a single episode, that is filmed in New Zealand with a purported budget of $150 million per eight-episode seasons. Talking about Lord of the Rings. Mm. Now, this one has me excited. 
Uh, here's what we know. Uh, so apparently, uh, even though it's not being uh, produced by uh, Wingnut Films or Peter Jackson's company, um, it will be set in the same continuity as the Lord of the Rings films. I don't think any actors are making cameos anywhere, but it's not off the table. Um, so the design aesthetic of the show will match the series as well. And we know it will be set during the second age of Middle Earth. Well, when it comes to the whole previous actors that we've seen thing, I, I get, I get the, the the difficulties involved. I understand it. However, um, uh, if it turns out that Chris, it'll be set during the second age. Yes. Um, we don't. I don't think we yet really know anything about the story or the plot line. No, we, uh, we don't know uh, when the, the second age covers yeah. something like thirty four hundred years. So we have no idea where within that it's exactly. Set. Will it start at the beginning? Will it start in the middle? Will we start within a stone's throw of the the last great alliance? We don't know. Uh, I have heard rumors, of course, that it will deal heavily with um, uh, the uh, the the Numenorians which is the race of men that Aragorn is descended from uh, and the fall of the Numenorians, uh, which I think is very plausible. Uh, As for characters from the Lord of the Rings movies being in this, the only, the big ones uh, of course would be uh, um, uh, Galadriel and um, Elrond. Um, and I, I believe Gandalf was was there in the Second Age. I'm not sure, um, but uh, um, so if we see Galadriel and Elrond, specifically Galadriel, I don't think Elrond did a lot in the Second Age until the Last Alliance. Um, um, but um, if we if we see them recast, I'll be a little disappointed. But I'll understand if that makes any sense. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's they're walking a tightrope here. Of obviously they want to bank off the success and popularity of the Lord of the Rings films. So I think it's smart of them to at least reach out to Peter Jackson in, in uh, his production company and at least get the rights to use some of those assets. Not that they're necessarily going to be straight recycling costumes and stuff, but uh, to, to at least have their series set in the same continuity of the movies uh, using that same aesthetic. Um, I think that's a smart play without knowing when, because uh, there's there's a lot to cover in the second age. So are we at the beginning of it? Are we in the middle of it? Are we at the end of it? Are we going to flash back throughout it? I don't know. You've got stuff like the the rise to power of Sauron after the defeat of Morgoth, uh, literally the creation of the Rings of Power, uh, the war between Sauron and Numenor, and like Scott pointed out, the fall of Numenor. Spoiler. Um, <coughs> really big epic events. I mean, think about if you're just a casual movie fan, the prologue of the first film is The Last Alliance of Men and Elves. That is the end of the Second Age. Think of how epic that scene is, and know that's where things eventually end up. And we have 3,000 years uh, prior history to cover before we even get to that. 
Uh, I think it's interesting that they've already committed to five seasons. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I think, again, this is a story there's a lot to tell. Uh, let's not rush it, Game of Thrones. Um, let's take our time telling a well-crafted story. And if, you are, if you're a writer for a show, knowing you already have multiple seasons to play with is always a benefit than having to write a season at a time and hope you'll get picked up. Uh, where you sometimes leave threads open because you're hoping you'll, you'll get picked up and you never do. Or, um, like Scott uh, will tell you, Babylon 5, hey, end everything. Oh, never mind, bring it all back. <laughs> fucking studio executives uh or or if you're uh if you're not a uh, bs5 guy um power rangers in space was meant to end the entire power rangers show uh so they destroyed all the sets and went all out and then the ratings shot through the roof and they went hey do another one um so but yeah, knowing you've got multiple seasons to play with uh, from the get-go, and I think they even talked about uh, they shot a first chunk of episodes for season one, took a break, uh, edited everything, looked at what they had, and then went back, and I think they just now, uh, because of COVID, um, went back and started shooting the rest of season one and season two, um, which I think is interesting. So whenever we do get the show rolled out, uh, we'll conceivably have at least two seasons uh, coming before the first episode hits. So, well, personally, my take on it is that the the show should we should definitely see Sauron. Um, we should see him in his in his elvish guise, uh, where he's going around and basically kind of gaining the trust of elves and man, and no one really knows the threat that he possesses. Yeah, you could almost cast him in a bit of a Loki role. Yes. In, in that he has machinations and plans in mind, but no one really knows the, the, the truth behind them. And he should not be the main antagonist. No, I don't. To um, me, the way you write that is he's he's a pro, maybe not the focal protagonist, but he's a protagonist till somewhere in like season two or three. <clears throat> Because well, casual fans are are, are you know, call him by his his is Sauron the Elvish name? No, no. Because so, everyone's yeah, I forget what his Elvish name is. Everyone's got thirty million names in Lord of the Rings. Call him something other than Sauron. Yes. And then at like the end of season two, have somebody call him by his true name and call him Sauron, and casual fans are like, "What? Yeah, that's yeah, you know, spit um, Well, right. personally, I also think the series should end. Not with the last alliance and the defeat of Sauron, but I think the series should end with the forging of the One Ring. Because we already know how Sauron is defeated. Huh? That'd be a good place to cut, yeah. Um, Because, you know, it it, it leads into the Lord of the Rings. We already know how the last alliance ends. Um, You know, we we know that story. It it may not have been told to the fullest, but it's been told. Yeah. and 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 focus on the Numenorians more than anything else, and maybe even the Gondolin. Gondolin falls in the first age, right? That's all the first age. Yeah, I think so. Yes, Gondolin has already fallen by this point. We've already had um, uh, the the uh, the Goblin Wars; uh, those were also in the first age. Uh, so, so yeah, focus on the Numenorians. Tell their story. Tell it well. Sprinkle in some Sauron around the edges. Show us the forging of the rings, the distribution of the rings of power, and end with the forging of the one ring. 
Um, but Damn. yeah, stretched it into five seasons. Call it a day. So, and also, so there's a. I'm, I'm going to go back to you yeah. Know, there's this there's this really cool app that that I peruse a lot. It's called TikTok, and uh, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm hip. Uh, I am I'm down with you know the the young. You're jiggy with it. I am jiggy with it in spades. Let me tell you. Um, All I can see is that meme with uh, uh, what's his name from that parody movie going. What's up, high school kids <laughs> or, or fellow kids? Yes, hello, fellow kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all I can see in my head, Scott. There's a, there's a guy on there that I follow, and and all he does is is videos of obscure Lord of the Rings facts. Uh, and this man is a true Uber fan for Lord of the Rings. He knows his stuff. He presents it well. So one thing I don't understand is apparently there's a new term that has started going around the meme circuit called yeeting. Has anyone heard this yeet? You oh, that's that's the culture. That's been around for a while, Scott. Has it? Okay, I just now started hearing it, and apparently, it means to throw something or to toss something to to eat something. You throw it away or toss it or something. I don't know. Oh no, you just freaking launch it, and but the important thing is you yell "yeet" when you do it. So you go okay. "yeet." Easy. Okay. Okay. So apparently, there he started this whole campaign because uh, on his TikTok videos. Of uh, I, I guess there was a whole Lord of the Rings argument that uh, Elrond was responsible for uh, the the whole you know War of the Ring because when they were at Mount Doom with Isildur and Isildur refused to uh, throw the ring into, into Mount Doom, uh, why didn't you know Elrond just throw or yeet Isildur into the lava? And so that was a question that he keeps getting asked. And he's like, why didn't this happen? And so he's like, well, first and foremost, you know, we as, as the reader have the hindsight, you know, have, have the benefit of hindsight. Uh, we know the threat Sauron's going to publicly going to become. They do not. Uh, it's, they believe Sauron is defeated and gone forever. And, and, uh, Elrond and Isildur are are really good friends. They're friends, and we tend not to yeet our um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, friends into lava just for one bad mistake. And so he he put out a he put out a poll. Basically, he wanted people to comment on the video either with hashtag yeet Isildur or hashtag do not yeet Isildur, uh, and. And hashtag Yeeta Sealdor won out something like 15 to 1 with like 30 some thousand people or whatever, you know, hashtag Yeeta Sealdor. So he has now put that on like t shirts and hoodies where on the front you can get hashtag Yeeta Sealdor and on the back it's it's the same thing but in Elvish. I need, I need one of these shirts. Uh, I will send you the link. Uh, where you can where you can go and, and get these shirts because these shirts are awesome, uh, and and I love this guy. This guy does great videos. But uh, uh, I want to I want to yeet a sealed door shirt with like but on the back like a cartoonish version of him just picking him up and throwing him into Mount Doom and like that, just that, a scared shitless look on his face. That I don't think they have. Uh, uh, he he just has. Be funnier. <laughs> 
But yeah, I th- I thought that was funny as shit. That uh, well, once again, I've never heard this term "yeet" before. I had to look it oh, up. Yes. What the fuck is "yeet"? Oh, Scott, I have my finger right on the pulse of pop culture, being a middle school and high school math teacher, and you hear all this shit. Apparently. <sighs> Does he have a whole t-shirt and hashtag for why didn't they just fly on the Eagles? No, uh, he does have a video that addresses it, so... As well, we're addressing stupid plot questions about Lord of the Rings. Get that well, out of the way. Well, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta remember the 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 movies, and I love the movies. I love what Peter Jackson did with the movies, but the movies don't really. There's a lot of stuff that they don't give you a good picture on for Lord of the Rings. One of them is the eagles. So the eagles are not just beasts. The eagles are intelligent beings. They they speak. They've got their own shit going on. In fact, they like Gandalf are they're they're Maiar. Uh, um, basically, they're they're, for lack of a better comparison, they're angels. Um, and in fact, the leader of the eagles is the same level of Maiar as Gandalf. In fact, they report to the same Valar, and I forget what his name is. Um, so literally, that that's why Gandalf can call on the eagles for aid. So is because they have the same boss. And the boss is like, look, the dude's got some important shit going now. Just, just go fucking give him a hand. Um, and so he does. But the Eagles got their own shit going on. They're, they're not just you know hanging out, flying around, doing nothing. Plus, uh, they really don't see Gandalf's quest at that point as very fruitful. Um, they see it more as a flight of fancy because they don't think it's going to pay off. Uh, they don't like to go into Mordor because uh, the fell beasts that the, um, the the Nazgul ride were created specifically to fight the eagles. Uh, they patrol the skies of Mordor, and they kind of keep the eagles in check uh, a little bit. So if the eagles had gone into Mordor, um, uh, they, they would have had to have fought with uh, the fell beasts. Now you see them joining the fight at the end, um uh right there at the end when when uh, uh the, the the men of gondor and everything are are fighting uh to distract because they finally realize hey this could work the ring is that mount doom this is going to happen we need to get in on this shit and 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 lend our aid so they they finally they're they're a little they're a little bit pompous uh, in their attitudes, but they finally deemed it worthy their attention to get involved. So, but but the the movie doesn't show you any of that. The movie the movie doesn't even show you they're more than just beasts. They're not just eagles. You know, they're they're people too. Yeah. Hashtag release the whatever release the eagle cut. New line, okay. you cowards. <laughs> <clears throat> Where's my 35-hour Lord of the Rings movie? <laughs> yeah, that is true. If they put everything into those movies, by God. Yeah, they can keep Tom Bombadil. <sighs> Fine with that. That's very true. Uh, try That's to put my Tom hot take for the night. Yeah, in, in, into those movies and explain who he is, what he is, uh, without even addressing the fan theories of what he is, um, would would take, good Lord, <laughs> 
we would add a half an hour to the movie's easy. Just yeah, and, and while we're at it, why don't we invent a purpose for him to be there? We're just making shit up because uh, there isn't one. Okay, that's my hot take for the day. So um, that's what I've got as far as fantasy projects coming down the pipeline. Um, like I said, some we know a lot more of than others. Is there anything I missed before we move on? Anything else you guys want to talk about that I didn't bring up? No. Okay. No, it's coming. No, I don't think so. All right. Then we're going to shift gears and we're going to address the whatever we do a state of the franchise, which this is kind of an extended, extended state of the genre, I guess. Yeah. What do we as proper nerds want to see from the fantasy genre? Uh, whether it's a specific adaptation or just something you want to see done somewhere. What do you guys have? Well, right off the bat, and I've <laughs> talked about this, I think, in the first episode when we mentioned Excalibur. I love Excalibur. I am still waiting for someone to come along and do a proper adaptation of The Once and Future King. Uh, yeah. Preferably as a movie trilogy. Did, did, did the doc just slowly slide off of a leather chair? Um, I thought he was not something seductively. Sorry, my... Uh... I've had the same office chair for um, 10 years now, uh-huh. and uh, on Friday we had a a snow day, but for my school it was a virtual learning day, so I had to spend all day in the office chair, and it broke, so anytime I lean back in the office chair and then have to sit back up, it's a lot further to come back to the straight-up sitting position. Yeah, that sounds like a really bad excuse for why you just unzip something seductively. All right, yeah, you're right. I was getting ready for this um, uh, trilogy for faithful adaptation. All right, TMI. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I've, I've, <coughs> sorry, I think I talked about this a little bit a couple episodes ago, but I, I love. Uh, as far as there, if you could call a, a, a any one version of the story of King Arthur the definitive version, it's definitely the Once and Future King, um, and it, it covers the entire life, uh, birth to ruling to death of King Arthur, incorporates lots of other um, sources into its its creation, uh, has lots of characters you might not expect to show up in a King Arthur story, Robin Hood, um, but it, it, it's one of those things where, as I was reading it. Uh, in, in, in it was high school, uh, I was like, why isn't this a movie? Uh, and, and you can kind of sp- scrap your own version together if you take, like, Sword of the Stone from Disney and then intersperse that with some Excalibur. Uh, like, you can kind of stitch your own version of this together. Um, but no one's done this this novel as a full-on trilogy, which I think would be awesome. <coughs> Uh, to really, again, every time someone comes around doing a King Arthur movie nowadays, we get the um, the stupid, it's the legend you think you know, but not really. Like, let's reinvent the wheel bullshit. I'm like, can you just fucking tell the story? Like, the last time anyone just told the story of King Arthur and not try to, like, reinvent it was fucking Excalibur in, what, 81? So, just shut the fuck up and tell the story of King Arthur. Uh, don't, don't add any bullshit about fucking Lancelot and 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 obstacle courses and and bullshit just there's plenty of material in the book just stick with that 
Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, just, it's one of those things I, I know, understand why no one's gotten around to it. I don't know. <clears throat> I agree, though. I mean, a, a nice, uh, nice adaptation of the Once and Future King would would be uh, would be uh, a breath of fresh air, especially where the the Arthurian legend goes. I would like to see it. Yeah, it's it's taken some hits. It, it needs uh, it uh, needs a nice little revamp. I I would like to see some batshit crazy stuff like from the eighties again. Okay. Like? Uh, like, I know I haven't seen it, but every time that you talk about it, it makes me want to watch it even more. But something like Crawl. You still haven't watched Crawl? No. God, what's uh, wrong with you? Sorry. Um, but, like, you know, just off-the-wall batshit crazy fantasy. I think we've gotten, with ever since Lord of the Rings, I feel like everything is just another, not clone, but sort of like do you ever see the movie multiplicity yes oh yeah okay so kind of like that where the clones aren't exactly right every time they're just kind of a little off they sort of look the same and sort of feel the same but they're just kind of wonky and like that was one clone that was a clone of a clone oh god yeah i like pizza um (laughs) okay thief I got a wallet. I got a car. Some guy gave it to me. Uh, anyway. You gotta but, eat a dolphin. No, you're gonna pet one, you idiot. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Let's, let's kind of step away from the young adult novel. Let's step away from the, you know, that sort of thing. And let's just go, it's fantasy. Go batshit crazy off the wall. Um, maybe, Update it a little, bring it into the future, make a nice futuristic fantasy movie. I think that would be interesting. Uh, not Star Wars fantasy. So you want uh, Masters of the Universe? Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome to see. You want lasers with your magic? I do. I want magical laser swords. Yeah, that... you want you want uh, people riding uh, green tigers and also flying in skyhooks. I would I would not be against a Masters of the Universe. Uh, at this point, it would be a remake, but really not a remake. Um, just let's avoid the travel back in time trope because at this point in time, I think you could get a studio to greenlight the budget to make an actual set. No, no, not- no, no. You put the cosmic key in so we can see Dolph Lundgren as King He-Man at some point. <clears throat> you said get batshit crazy with it, Jay. We're getting batshit crazy with it. Yes, let's get Dolph Lundgren. Okay, same and outfit. Then, He'll still fit, I'm sure. Uh, Ron Perlman. Well, that goes without saying. Who else uh, is going to play Beast Man? Uh, we'll get Carl Urban. <laughs> He'd make a great man at arms. Uh, this one, this one, I'm going to throw out there just because I love this guy, Alan Tudyk. Let's put him in this movie as Alan- Wildor. Uh, or, uh, sorry, Orko. Orko, yes. Alan Tudyk is Orko. Uh, Damn it, let's... now I'm really excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> let's just go just go crazy off the walls. Yeah, Masters of the Universe remake. Why not? You know? Uh, just 
something different, something that hasn't been done. I mean, everything's a remake now or a rehash or a relaunch. Just give me something fresh, something not what I've seen before. That's all I okay. want. That's all I ask. <clears throat> Said so much. Excuse me. Well, apparently, because they've been trying to develop Masters of the Universe movie for like 15 years now. So. Well, they just need to call us because apparently we're great at making cast. Yeah. The problem is <laughs> paying for that cast and finding a director and getting their schedules all cleared and freed. And... Well, I'm sure Dolph's not doing much right now. Whoa! Whoa! He is at some point going to be in Aquaman 2, I'm sure. And Creed 3, if that's a thing. I don't know. God. The, the, the Rocky spinoff, spinoff Drago. <clears throat> Oof. I don't know that that's a thing, but now that I've said it and put it out in the universe, it's probably a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right. I've got one for you, Jay. Okay. Um, this is a, a comic that I have fallen in love with. I bought the first issue just because the cover art looked. It is called The Last God from DC's Black Label Publisher which is the um, higher format, more expensive, don't sell this to kids format for DC. So imagine Lord of the Rings being invaded by a horde called the Flowering Dead uh, that are not zombies per se. They look more like some weird-ass Cthulhu, John Carpenter's The Thing, creatures uh that people just turn into when they die now Uh, the the premise is 30 years ago uh this evil god was coming into the the world i forget what the world is called but coming into the world uh he was he's going to take over and this band of heroes that were a human and an elf and a, a mage uh which the the magicians in this world are um um uh cthulhu inspired are are they plucky Sort of. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they march, they, they mount a quest and march up a thing called the Black Stair, which is this giant mountain where you can reach like the heavens where the gods were created. Uh, and as far as the world knows, they defeated the great evil god and they went home and became kings and queens and the kingdom has been just fine ever since. Why does this sound like the a, a 1970s Led Zeppelin album. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you're in the ballpark. Um, so fast forward to 30 years, everything is just fine. By the way, totally fine. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Um, maybe the Flowering Dead shows up out of nowhere again, even though they told the whole world they destroyed it all. And maybe the Last God isn't really dead, and he's kind of pissed off, and he's just been stewing for 30 years maybe the story that this questing party told the world isn't entirely accurate. Uh, So a new group has to venture together to try to figure out what the fuck happened, what's going on and how can we stop it? Um, But literally as far as like visual style, uh, I've never seen anything like this. Um, There's a paladin at one point who just looks like a a D and D version of Thor, um, 
it, it, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to like give it away because you guys should both read this at some point. Uh, we're only 11 issues in. Um, so they haven't wrapped up uh, book one yet. Um, but definitely give it a go. Um, I'm sure there'll be a nice big trade in the next few months. Uh, but I would love to see um, live action, or this could be really cool animated, depending on what animation style you want to go with. Because, um, again, the art for this book, and just Google uh, DC The Last God and look at the cover art and the interior art. It's 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 amazing, and unlike uh, anything I've seen before in a comic book. <coughs> um so I just love to see someone adapt it. And again, I have no idea where the story is going um, because the, the 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 first twelve issues are credited as the Last God, Book One of the Fellspire Chronicles. So I am assuming there are multiple stories to come. But looks like uh, so looks like the hardcover is set to come out August third. That sounds about right. Uh, it's worth it. Whatever the price is, it's worth it. The story is awesome. Um, but very much not for kids. Like this is not a happy-go-lucky Hobbit bedtime story. Nice. Mm. Well, I kind of like. I would like to throw this out too. Okay. I know. I know that there like to, are to eat this out there. Eat, I'm gonna eat this. I'm gonna eat this to you guys. Uh, eat it all out there. Um, I think it would be kind of interesting. I know that they have a D and D series and movie in the pipe but um i've never i have never played D D. uh but what i have played is diablo and mm, now you're talking i i think a diablo series or film would be pretty awesome uh you've got just everything pretty much ready made for you to just kind of transfer it over. And I think that this could finally be a decent adaptation of game to movie. So if so they did it correctly, would each season be him going one level down? What was that? Would each season be him just going to the next level down in the dungeon? Uh, no. I mean, ideally, it'd be a little more than that. Because yeah. it's so. I mean, the first game gives you enough for 30 seasons. Well, and at some point, you have to find the cow level. So Exactly. You gotta right. find the secret cow level. Gotta find it. Uh, I just think it would be awesome, just because of all the the evil characters in it. Yeah, that's... Uh, there's a ton of lore behind those games too, or just ripe to, uh, to mine for storylines. Yeah. Diablo yeah. would make a, make a good series. I think I, I could see that. Uh, Carl Urban. That's RJ. <laughs> Carl Urban has to be a, Oh yeah. Um, goes without saying. Crusader. That's it. Crusader from Diablo three. Every, yeah, but never take his helmet off. Um, never takes his helmet off. He is Crusader dread. I like it. <laughs> so, so see now. Now, one of the advantages of the new uh, LED stage that uh, technology that the Mandalorian has pioneered the volume. Uh, yeah. So, w- with this new technology, we could literally have Carl Urban 
in, in everything. So literally Carl Urban is just on set. And when they finish filming, you know, Diablo for the day or whatever, that crew goes home. The next crew comes in. Carl Urban just goes for a costume change. Uh, and you just put him back on set, just change the background. Now, it's going to suck for Carl Urban because he's never going to get to leave the studio again or eat or sleep. But we'll have him in everything. So You yeah. can have like every third Sunday off. It's fine. Oh, God. And I just thought of something else for Alan Tudyk. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, who is the the old man from Diablo Three? I haven't played uh, the game in a while. You know what I'm talking about, though. You got to go save yeah. him. Yeah, yeah the yeah. the the same one. He's he's the same one from the first one too. That was yeah, the yeah yeah the old man in town. The the one that talked with the very bad Sean Connery accent. Yes. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let Alan Tudyk be that guy. <laughs> well, look. I think it goes without saying. Uh, every idea we pitch is going to involve Carl Urban because everything should involve Carl Urban. And if you can have Carl Urban and Alan Tudyk, why the hell wouldn't you? Right. I agree. But, but in all honesty, I think I would be I would be down for a Diablo movie. I would see it for sure. I could see or Diablo. A series. Yeah, as like um, uh, whatever studio animated the Castlevania show on Netflix, have them do a Diablo series. That'd be badass. Yeah. yeah like, but I'd, I'd want more than four episodes every three years. Yeah, preferably, yeah. A little more content. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, yeah, like you said, too, with... Uh, was it Masters of the Universe or something where you said animated would be okay? Oh, that the comic book uh, I think you could do live action you could also do animated I think Diablo actually I think would probably be a little cooler animated than live okay. action um, especially if you could pull it off like awesome <laughs> especially if it could be cool got it yeah just make it cool guys let's just make it cool Scott, you got anything cooking? Well, I got I got two things that I would really love to see uh, away. Uh, adapted. I mean, yeet and, away. Yeet, yeet away. Um, it's brought to the screen as far as fantasy that I think would do well. So one is, uh, and and um, I'm I'm gonna play off of something you hate here, just so you know. Um, and and because this is. Uh, is this is a trilogy of books called the King Raven trilogy. It's a very good series of books. You, you need to read them. It is most definitely in the vein of the truth behind the legend thing. And I know you don't really care for that much. Yellow card? What? Yellow card. Yellow card. You're not out of the game yet, but that's a yellow card. Okay, I got you. We're going by soccer rules, apparently. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Ready Sorry, to, football for our European friends. Get ready to give me another one because not only is it the legend behind or the truth behind the legend, but it's it's the truth behind the legend for Robin Hood. Right the fuck out. Just no, gone. No, out here. No. Now whatever stupid shit. Whatever stupid shit that whoever the fuck made the movie with the gladiator dude uh and everything with the damn Medieval Wiggins boats at the end of it. The heavy Ridley Scott. Sorry, Sir Ridley Scott. Fucking Ridley Scott. I think he's. Um, 
the Harry, let's throw the Magna Carta in there too. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I just want you in that exact voice <laughs> to do a commentary for that entire movie now, please. I'll give it a shot. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so this is a trilogy of books um, for the Robin Hood story, the truth behind the legend, written by an author named Stephen Lawhead. Um, so the first book is called Hood, uh, the second is Scarlet, and the third is Tuck. Um, and they are very good books. If they had made a trilogy of movies on these books verbatim, they would have been wonderful movies. They would have been great. Um, Does so- he become Robin Hood more than five minutes before the end of the first book. Yes. Then it's already better than the 2010 movie. So first of all, this, uh, this novel, um, or this series does take the story out of Nottingham and Sherwood forest. Okay. And it relocates it to Wales during the 11th century after the battle of Hastings, uh, and it coincides with the Norman invasion of Wales. Okay. Is that where they used the Higgins boats? God, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, because they are invading, right? So basically, the, 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 you, get, you get the term Robin Hood from an, an, uh, an anglonized bastardization over the centuries of. Uh, the, the, the the Welsh name that the character goes by w- when he's acting in this stead. Um, because basically he's, he's, he's a Welsh nobleman who has his lands taken from him uh, by the Normans when, when they invade. And he's literally trying to play within the system. He's trying to do what's right to get his lands back. And he keeps getting screwed over by the English. Uh, and then of course the, the, the French are there doing their thing as well. And so finally he just says, fuck it. And he, he, uh, uh, gathers, you know, refugees together from his lands, from other lands, and just puts together this little, you know, nice little commune deep in the forests. Uh, and he starts waging uh, a guerrilla war, uh, against the Normans. Um, and so because the Welsh have not been folded into, you know, the Britons yet, because we're still in the invasion of Wales, um, then he and all of his people are, are basically Welsh longbowmen. And, and, and the British, you know, the, the, the current armies at the time don't really have longbows because that's kind of where they came from was, was, was the Welsh when the Welsh got incorporated in. It's just a really good series of novels. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, if you ever read them, I think you would enjoy them. Um, but, uh, I would love to see these novels adapted into a trilogy of movies. Uh, they're they're really great. Sorry. Who are the British? (laughs) Who are the British? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there it is. Uh, so yeah, I would love to see that uh, adapted into a trilogy. Look, I'm always down for new Robin Hood content. Just uh, that last one. 
too too bad. Trust me. No, I, I agree with you whole wholeheartedly. No, uh, Scott, Scott, That's... it gets worse than that one. Well, there was one from about three years ago with um, Eggsy from Kingsman and um, Jamie Fox. I did not see that one. Yeah, don't. It's 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 worse than the Ridley Scott um, Russell Crowe one. Wow, really? It's yeah. It's like somebody saw Dark Knight and was like, "Wow, let's do that." But Robin Hood. Okay. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. So just do better than that. Well, good. As long as they didn't make any changes and just literally took took these novels and just did a straight adaptation to screen, they would be infinitely better. In that case, we're fine. He he also did he also did a a series on the Arthurian legend called the Pendragon Cycle. I've not read those, so I can't attest to how good they are. But these I loved; they were really good. Well, I might I might track them down. I'm also done with my uh, old EU Star Wars binge. Yeah. <laughs> what else you got, Scott? The other one, so I'm going to go back to D&D on this one. Okay. Because, because I, I know that there, uh, I'm, I'm sure we have lots and lots of, of uh, old school D&D fans that listen to our show religiously. Just they, for you, yeah. They, they, they hang on our every word. Uh, and and I know that uh, I've, I've pissed some of them off with my advocating um, that... Uh, the Forgotten Realms should be mined for uh, the TV show. And I stand by that uh, because the, the Forgotten Realms is where the TV show needs to come from. However, the movies, um, uh, as far as D&D movies is concerned, uh, what they really should adapt into a, a trilogy or more of movies, but at least a trilogy, is uh, the War of the Lance storyline from the Dragonlance novels. Um, because that was, that was, that was a great story. Um, um, I mean, you got, you got dragon riders, you've got dragons on both sides. Uh, you, you got trying to track down the last of the dragon lances, uh, to, to kill. Uh, I, I forget which dragon they're trying to kill, but, uh, with it, but yeah, that's it's a classic D and D story. Uh, it, it's it's wonderfully told. You've got great characters. You've got a great group of adventurers. Um, it's it's literally because well, first and foremost, they're not really adventurers. They're they're kind of like uh, just average, you know, folk of their different races. Uh, human, uh, I think uh, a human, a half elf, a dwarf, uh, and a. A gnome, I think is what he is. I'm not sure what the thief is. It's been a while since I've read these. Uh, and, and I was never a huge Dragonlance fan. Uh, I was more Forgotten Realms, obviously. But um, but this was, they were just kind of like everyday people thrust into this epic uh, uh, quest. Uh, much like, you know, Frodo in Lord of the Rings was. It, it, it's, it's, it's very, if you're looking for something that could be the next Lord of the Rings, it would be Dragonlance. Now, getting the rights to it from Weiss and Hickman, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know who all owns those rights because 
You know, they they originally published under TSR. TSR sold out to Wizards of the Coast. Um, I don't know how much creative control Weiss and Hickman still retain of that fantasy setting, but yeah. If you've never read them, you should you should read them. First of all, it's called a lance. <laughs> a deep cut Alan Tudyk reference. Uh, yeah, no, that could, I, I would imagine the Dragonlance is still a part of D and D, so it's still owned by is it Hasbro that by way of whatever now owns the rights? Yeah, I think so. I think Hasbro now owns Wizards of the Coast. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, I highly doubt those guys own the rights to that series if it's part of the D and D stuff. So. They may get, I'm sure they get royalties off the books, but oh, they probably don't. That sounds more like a uh, work for hire kind of deal. But. I, I would say you're probably right, yeah. Jay, Bell anything else? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still <laughs> No, I'm, I'm good. All right, I've got one last pitch, <clears throat> also from a comic book. Imagine. If you had a cross between, for lack of a better, Lord of the Rings meets Big. So there's this family and uh, dad and two sons and a wife. And dad takes uh, the one son out to go play in the park because they're trying to distract him and get him out of the house for his big surprise birthday party. And uh kid runs off into the woods to chase a football or a Frisbee or something. Disappears. Just gone without a trace. There's a whole big search for him and years pass and we never find out what happened to him. And then all of a sudden one day, this giant, huge tattooed roided out jason momoa looking motherfucker drops in on the city with armor and swords just glistening starts attacking cops and screaming about a quest he has to finish uh the, the cops tase him and take him down they fingerprint him and, and uh, dna print him and it's the missing kid but it's only been a few years since he's missing and he's now a grown man where has he been this whole time What's going on? Is he crazy? Or did he really go to some alternate realm where he's the chosen one? And is he really here to help fight back the forces of the God King lore? Did they give him a board game called Jumanji for his birthday? (laughs) (laughs) That's better. I should go with that. It's Big Meets Jumanji. Uh, It's called Birthright. It is about to wrap up the whole series, actually. Um, But it's one of those things where, again, volume one of the trade was like, 15 bucks. I was like, that looks kind of cool. I'll pick that up because I like to have at least one independent comic book series that I'm reading. So I'm not a total sellout. Um, but this, this series has been so awesome. Uh, really cool visual art style. The way they do magic and, and stuff is, is a little different from any way I've seen it done in like a fantasy setting before. Uh, and the whole hook of, of the brother just showing back up and now he's fully grown and, and, and uh, they play up in the first storyline. Uh, is he crazy? Uh, is this, this can't be him. This is an impersonator. You know, they kind of play that up a little bit, uh, but that was a really cool hook to get into the whole rest of the story. Uh, and I believe it's about to wrap up with issue like 75 or something like that. Um, so it's had a good run, uh, but the, the, the author had a, definite finishing point in mind when they started it and you know by the grace of uh you know people buying comics they get to finish it up um but it's just really cool i think that'd be a really interesting hook 
um, for a fantasy uh, sort of set um, movie. You could do this as a series. I think it would have maybe better than the show, but um, lots of twists and turns and lots of plot reveals and nothing is really quite what it seems to be. It's awesome. Um, so there you go. Birthright. Nice. Cool. And that's all I've got. Yep. Sit, I'm tapped out. I've yeeted all I have to yeet. Yeet. So with that, I believe we have reached our conclusion. We have reached the top of Mount Doom. Jay, will you uh, sit forward and take that ring off? You give it here, I'm going to yeet it. If you don't, we yeet you. Oh, oh. <laughs> 15 to 1. So let us know in the comments below. Should we eat the ring or eat the dock? And we'll let you know who wins next episode. Uh, thanks for sticking with us this long. Uh, what do you think of our ideas for fantasy to come? Uh, what are the series we talked about? Are you excited for? Did we forget something? Let us know. Thanks for sticking with us. Till next time. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert.